Thanks for tuning in to localjobnetwork.com radio, where you can find all of your favorite employment-related shows. I'm Katie Chesney, and you're listening to Moving Up the Ladder, a show where we interview experts on how to move up the corporate ladder. Now, going back to school to get an associate, bachelor's, or master's brings many new challenges to the table. How do mature students juggle their full-time job or even their career on top of family, friends, and school? We're with Taylor Cruz, who is a registered nurse and is going back to school to advance her career to become a nurse practitioner. Today, we're going to find out how she achieves a balance between work, education, and family, as well as some tips and tricks for heading back to school to further your career. Now, Taylor, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I live in Charleston, South Carolina. I uh, have been married for about three years to my husband, Adam. And we don't have any kids, but I do have two dogs, and so they're basically like my children. (laughs) Um, One's a a lab and pit bull mix, and the other one is a blue stick coonhound, and they're a lot of fun. Great. So now, what is your current position, and how long have you been a nurse? I currently am a registered nurse, and I work for a local uh, county mental health center, Mm -hmm. and um, so it's an outpatient clinic, and I have been working as a nurse for about, I think it's almost been about five years now, Okay. Um, and I started out doing an inpatient position for three years before I started working outpatient. All right. Now, you're going back to school to be a nurse practitioner. So are you going, are you working full-time and going to school full-time, or how does that ratio work out? Yes, I am working full-time and going to school full-time. The The graduate program is about uh, six to nine credits a semester, which is considered full-time. And... You know, obviously, you're going from an RN to a nurse practitioner. So, how is this going to like advance your career, other than just the the title change? I will gain a lot more responsibility being a nurse practitioner. Basically, the degree allows me to do almost everything that a that a doctor can do, as far as being able to see patients independently and prescribe medications. Mm-hmm. So, it'll be a lot more. Uh, responsibility and a lot more challenging, but also something that I'm really looking forward to. And then another, obviously, advancement with most careers is I'll be able to be able to make more money as Mm -hmm. a nurse practitioner compared to as a nurse. What do you hope to do when you're a nurse practitioner? Are you going to stay in mental health? Are you going to branch out a little bit? Yes, actually, my uh, my focus in my nurse practitioner degree is as a uh, family psychiatric nurse practitioner. Okay. Um, So So I'm definitely choosing to specialize in that area. Mental health has been a passion, and that's definitely where I want to stay. So my plan after graduation is to stay at the mental health center where I work now, but just transition into the role as a nurse practitioner. Mm -hmm. So I would be seeing clients in the clinic, you know, for their med checkups and for their initial appointments. Okay. Now, did you let your employer know that you were going back to school? And how did you effectively communicate to them that while you're, you know, furthering your career and getting more education, you're not going to leave the company? Yes, I did let them know. First of all, I um, I told them, I, I actually, when I interviewed for the position, I was just about to start going back to school. And so I told them that just so that they would know upon hiring me that, I would be advancing my degree, which I actually felt was an asset because nurse practitioners, I think, 
are a desired career, and so they, you know, they could see that as a benefit if I were to stay with them. Um, so I did let them know, and I did kind of tell them that, you know, I didn't know for sure where I would work afterwards, but that, you know, if they if they wanted me to continue working there as a nurse practitioner, that would be an option. Mm-hmm. So they were very understanding about it, and I think I think they are also understanding about the fact that there are other t- opportunities out there, and they're right. aware of that. They've been very very good with the whole thing. I think they are hoping to keep me, and, I, and I'm planning to stay. Oh, that's great. Now, you had mentioned earlier that you're taking six to nine credits, which is considered full-time. So how does that translate into hours in the classroom and hours of homework? So um, it's a little bit more uh, complicated with the nurse practitioner because we have to do clinical time as mm-hmm. well as classroom time. So I have um, no actual classes. It's all online. Okay. For the for the um, actual classroom, it's an online classroom. So I don't have to be there at a certain time, but I do have to kind of log in every day and check the um, message boards and check the postings from my instructor, you know, read the PowerPoints, do the readings for class. So that's about two hours a day that I spend checking in onto the online program. Okay. And then um, my clinical program, I do about 12 hours a week of Um, actual clinical experience with a psychiatrist. Just to paint a clear picture for our listeners, you're full-time at work, so I presume you spend around 40 hours at work? Right. And so then on top of that, you're spending almost 15 or 16 hours doing homework and getting, you know, viewing your class and meeting with the psychiatrist to get that experience. So how do you manage your time effectively between, you know, being prepared for work, but also being prepared for the education aspect of your life? One of the benefits that I had going into school and with my current job is that they were, they allowed me to be flexible with my work schedule. So I do work four days a week and it's 10 hour days. Okay. So it's still 40 hours a week, but it's only four days. So I, I work from about, you know, 7.30 to 5.30, which is a, a pretty, you know, standard work day, and it, and it does fill up the day. But then I do have that other um, one day of the week that I have open in order to do my clinical time. Okay. So that's how I manage that. And then um, in the evenings and on the weekends is how I keep up with my uh, homework and readings, tests and all that kind of thing. All right. And have you ever experienced it where your education was interfering with your work or your work was interfering with your education? And how did you handle that? Yes, I would definitely say they interfered with each other. The biggest challenge I came across was trying to work in my clinical time because most psychiatrists and mental health care providers work during the week, Monday through Friday, regular work hours, which is pretty similar to what I work for my regular job. So it was difficult to find um, find time in, in the work week to fit in that clinical period. And so I had to find providers that, that would work around my work schedule as far as like th- they worked on the days that I didn't, that I had off. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had to take some time off uh, occasionally from work in order to fit in the clinical time. So sometimes having to take like vacation day, you know, in order to fit it into the schedule, and and it's it's worked out. It just definitely took some creativity as far as moving my schedule around and making sure I communicated with my my um, people that I did clinical with, as well as my supervisor at work. Okay. Now 
I just want to ask this because I'm a little curious. It, it sounds like you're doing a lot of work and just the return on that work is going to be important. So, you know, what is your GPA? And I think by asking that, it gives a pretty good idea of how truly how much time you're spending on your studies. Uh, well, right now, um, in my in this semester, I'm getting a 4.0, and last semester I got a 4.0. I think my cumulative GPA might be around like a 3.7 for the for the whole um, time I've been in in graduate school. Mm-hmm. Well, that's quite the accomplishment. It truly does show that you're you're putting a lot of your time and your effort into this. And I have to imagine that's quite hard to have two full time things going on, plus your family and your friends and all that other right. things. How do you bring it all together and just bring it as a cohesive whole? Like, how do you manage the stress of all that? Well, I, I do not, um, I do not let myself, I guess, spend all my time on work and school. I, even if I do have a lot to do, I really have to make sure that I spend time for myself. Otherwise, I'd just be too exhausted to even get the homework or the reading done. Right. So um, I do definitely spend time in the evenings, like, you know, either cooking or spending time with my husband. We try to get, you know, try to go out to dinner. As I said, we live in Charleston, so there's a lot of things to do around town. Mm-hmm. So the weekends are nice because I do, I do have off on the weekends and then, you know, the homework isn't so overwhelming that I have to spend my entire weekend doing it. So I do get to, I do get to spend time on the weekend um, just relaxing and, you know, making sure that I do something that is fun. Right. So that's that. That's a good balance to have. So for our listeners, just to kind of reiterate, it's important to make sure that you're getting, you know, giving your full attention to your work and your education, but at the same time, not forgetting to give back to yourself and to those around you that are important to you. Yes, yes. So now, when you were deciding to go back to school, did you anticipate that it would be this much work and be maybe this challenging? I think I I somewhat had an idea that it would be time-consuming, but no, I did not anticipate how much work it would be. I really, um, I think I, I did underestimate how much time it would take because while I've been in school, I've definitely thought to myself, wow, this really, this really is taking so much time. Um, but I do, I kind of help push myself through it by remembering that when I'm finished, I'll realize how much actual free time I will have again. So that's really hopeful for me because I, I you know, I, I do know that there's kind of light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but yeah, I didn't quite expect it to be this much, but I have been able to balance. It really is about finding that time to balance and, and maybe taking some of the things out that maybe we do in our free time now that aren't very valuable to us, you mm-hmm. know, just like watching TV or things like that. Like I kind of have to, you know, put that on the back burner for sure. Now, when you were making this decision to go back to school and become a nurse practitioner, what were some of the things that you considered as far as like your expectations for how long it would take you, the goals that you had set for, you know, your homework and managing all your time and what you were going to do with your time? Well, one of the things that I thought about and actually talked with um, like fellow nurses or people that have gone back to school was there was an accelerated program where you could take even more, I guess, than full-time credits. You could take like 12 credits a semester mm-hmm. and it was, you could finish it in a year and a half, which was um, very tempting for me because I thought, you know, I can get it finished faster. But the program I chose now is full-time, but it's two and a half years rather than the year and a half. So it's not accelerated. 
and I'm very, very glad I chose that route because I, I really don't think I could have done the other accelerated program and still been able to maintain, you know, a, a balance. I wouldn't, I would be very, very overwhelmed. So I am glad that I um, considered that when I was choosing which courses to take. Mm-hmm. And and then the other goal that I had for sure that influenced me a lot was that the nurse practitioner degree requirements are going to be changing. At least that's what they say in, in the next few years. They are eventually going to require nurse practitioners to have a doctorate degree. And so for me, um, I'm able to get a master's degree before those requirements set in. And I, I wanted to get that done because then once I already have it, you, you don't have to have a doctorate. So right. I, I'm definitely wanting to get that done before, you know, they add on a lot more schooling that's going to be required. Mm-hmm. Well, it's definitely an important thing to consider when you're going down this path. Mm-hmm. And since you're spending, like, so much time dividing your time and making sure everyone has that attention, has burnout ever been a concern for you? Uh, yes, I would say so. Um, one thing that helped, I think, for me as well as having my husband to kind of pick up the pieces at home if I'm not able to, to you know, take care of the dogs or take care of dinner or the cleaning, he, he can help pick up those pieces, which is good because, um, you know, every once in a while it does get to be too much where I can't, I can't do everything. Mm-hmm. And so to have somebody there as a support makes a big difference. Uh, so that stuff, I think, kind of helped prevent prevent any sort of burnout. And then, too, just if I do get overwhelmed, I have somebody to talk with about it and kind of work through the feelings and, and, and get through it and push through. Now, to kind of back it up a little bit, I want to talk about um, how, in terms of education or training to further groom one's skills, how should one approach the company you know, about that you're working for, about getting help for financially support, like financially paying for college and paying for this furthering of your education. Did you ask them if there was like any kind of contribution they would make towards that? I did. I did ask my employer. Um, I know there are some employers out there that do offer um, a, a tuition assistance. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do have to usually make a commitment to stay with them for a certain amount of years after you graduate. Unfortunately, my my current employer does not have tuition assistance. I work for the state of South Carolina, basically, and so the extra funding just isn't there to, to offer tuition assistance to employees. But I did talk to, more recently now, since I'm getting close to graduation, I did talk to the person that's kind of in charge of hiring for after I graduate about what assistance might be available if they do hire me. Um, and so some, some employers, including my own, do offer tuition repayment, um, like after you're hired. Right. For your, for your loans. So that was, that was a, something that I found to be beneficial that I didn't actually really know about until, until I just recently, you know, was talking with the, with the uh, medical director about it. Right. So it's definitely important to explore those avenues to see, okay, if they can't offer you one kind of assistance, another type of assistance might be there just at a different part of the educational process. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, and I, I did want to communicate to my employer as well that student loans and the payment for college is quite substantial. And so when they're, you know, trying to recruit people and trying to hire that, um, you know, I try to try to make them understand that that is a factor for me that, 
you know, I need to be able to support myself and repay my loans after I get a get a job. And so if they really want to hire me, they need to try to, you know, make an effort to address that. And stay competitive with what other companies are offering. That's the important part. Now, if you could do things a little differently from the beginning, what would you change? I don't know. I really don't know if I would change anything. Um, maybe looking back, there's a couple, like, uh, there's a couple tests and things that I that I maybe would have studied harder for. But then again, I, I question that, too, because... Sometimes in the in the long run, I would rather spend time enjoying life and, and doing things I enjoy rather than studying if I'm still able to make it through with, you know, with a good grade on a test. Um, I think I've had to try to push back some of my perfectionist type qualities and just learn to just do what I can and still make time for myself, like not to just focus on the grades and focus on um, getting everything right. Because sometimes being, you know, being myself and enjoying life is more important. Right. That's a, that's a good tip for our listeners there. And speaking of tips, do you have any final tips, suggestions, or words of encouragement for our listeners who might be considering going back to school to further their career? Um, I would just say that it is definitely possible to be to work and to to go back to school, but. But in order to do that, you have to really be um, open with your employer and communicate with them about your about your school schedule and um, to give them a heads up about how much time it's going to take you for school, you know. And I found that that was that was key for me because they were willing to work with me on my schedule and to be flexible um, as long as I as long as I communicated to them what I needed. And, you know, of course, I think part of it was that they would like to, to have me around after I graduate. So, so um, just having that partnership with them really has been uh, so valuable for me. That's awesome that you have that partnership. So that's definitely a key tip for our listeners to take away is to really open those lines of communication and be honest with your employer and let them know what you're doing because there might be hidden benefits for you there. Right. Yeah. And then the other tip I would say, too, is, is to, to lean on your fellow classmates also because they're right there with you. They know exactly what you're going through. So um, being able to, even though my program's online, I can still, you know, speak with my classmates over the discussion boards and um, share thoughts. And, and we were able, even able to use technology to do study groups and to work on assignments together over the online over the computer. So having the having the students there and having a relationship with them and studying with them is so important. Well, thank you for joining us, Taylor. You did share some really great tips for our listeners. So, but that is it for today on Moving Up the Ladder. And we want to again thank you, Taylor. No problem. My pleasure. Now, to find more employment-related shows, head over to algianradio.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future shows, please email me at algianradio at localjobnetwork.com. And once again, I'm Katie Chesney with LGN Radio, and I'll see you next time.